Welcome to the e-commerce Taurus podcast. My name is Andy Solhoff here. I'm with my business partner and friend, Tim McDougall. Hi, Tim. Hello, Andy. We are partners at 50 Pound Bozen, which is a high-touch e-commerce agency that focuses on growing small and medium-sized B2C businesses that sell physical products. So if you'd like to contact us about your business to help you grow your business and sell more products online, we'll put our contact information in the show notes. So we know this is episode one, which means that we'll probably have, what's the over under, 12 listeners under. on this? Under, unless we pay for them. Under, and well, maybe we'll pay, we have enough relatives, we can probably get to 12. Um, he's got enough brothers to get us, to, get, yeah, get us to above 12. I'll just root the brother. We'll get halfway there with my brothers. Yep. Uh, but that's fine. We need to start somewhere with this. Um, we originally meant to kick this off at the start of July. We did a uh, analysis and a discussion internally about what the top issues we were watching in e-commerce for quarter three. Um, and we did that for ourselves and also for our clients. And then COVID got in the way, kid emergencies got in the way, client emergencies got in the way, and now it's the start of August. So we thought we'd bring it back though and still start with that with a little perspective on actually what's happened during Q3 so far on these issues. But we thought we'd run down what we thought were the top five, top five issues to watch in Q3 if you're an e-commerce seller. And with a little commentary on what's happened so far in the early part of Q3. Um, and again, it's interesting times we're in right now. That's the ancient Chinese curse, right? May you live in interesting times. And we certainly are in interesting times in e-commerce. And that's fine because that's why a lot of us got into it. It's why I got into e-commerce because it was the most interesting, most fast-evolving area of marketing. And Which, Let's be honest. I don't know that there's ever not an interesting time in e-commerce. I mean, I've only been in this about five years, but it's been interesting since I've been in it. It's chaos since it started. So things change rapidly. Things continue to change. And this has been a particularly volatile last two and a half years with Mm -hmm. the shutdown, with a lot of changes in that, with a lot of changes in privacy laws. There's, There's just been a lot of things to adapt to. Yep. So we tried to gather our top ones here. Um, we're going to go in reverse order, starting with the our issue number five and then working towards one. But, Andy, we also had a couple honorable, honorable mention items that yes. did not make our top five, but we also thought were important. Is there any that you think we should bring up real quickly now? So I think the first one that um, I want to make sure that people are aware of is the Shopify site owners getting sued over ADA noncompliance. Uh, so I know that this has affected some of our clients. Uh, I was just on a phone call before this one around another client who had gotten threatened of lawsuits um, for their Shopify site not being ADA compliant. So, um, you know, I think there are, uh, you know, attorneys out there, there are law firms out there that are easy preying target on businesses that are a decent size or it's meaningful uh, they're doing a meaningful amount of sales on or on uh, Shopify, and they can find their Shopify store, and they can look them up, and they can say, hey, we're going to sue you unless you pay us a certain amount to, to make us go away or you get ADA compliant. And each one of those things is um, has, their, has their own expense. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's That, w- that would be my honorable mention. So it, uh, It's a big one and certainly one we spend some time on. I'll probably refrain from too much commentary because we have a client in an active lawsuit right now, so we'll be – cautious about what we say there. Yeah. But it is a serious issue. And one of the things that uh, Shopify owners especially need to understand is that Shopify does not come out of the box ADA compliant, neither do any of the themes you can buy. Um, and so to be ADA compliant, to protect yourself from these lawsuits, you need to do a lot of extra work. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so it's it's a real issue. That's an evolving situation. There's some pressure from some quarters on Shopify that they need to change and adapt to that, but no word from Shopify that they've heard the issue or are going to do anything. So Yeah. So I guess, Tim, what's your take on sort of the, the playbook on that? If, if a new client came to us today and said, hey, we got this lawsuit, I mean, to say nothing of the service that we provided, but yes. what's the uh, what's the recommended for your store owner and you get the, get the letter in the mail that says, uh, I'm going to sue you because yeah. you're not ADA compliant? Yeah, without getting too deep into it, but these, are, these lawsuits are serious. You have to take them seriously. Um, our playbook that we've developed is we have an ADA compliance expert that we work with now. Um, that we've met over the last couple months and, and developed a rapport with. And then we have also learned how the different ADA compliance tools work, and we've now revised several sites to be more ADA compliant. So that's not that we are experts on it, but um, there's not really a deep pool of people to turn to on this. So we're trying to be as much of a help as we can with the assistance of somebody who's really an expert in ADA compliance. Uh, and that's Americans with Disabilities Act uh, for anybody who's not familiar with the acronym. But um, yeah, it's a lot of work, though, to get a site to be ADA compliant. There's yes. a lot to it. There was a lot of education for us learning how different people with different disabilities use the site. Of course, everybody wants to make your site accessible to everybody. Mm -hmm. That's really important. Then figuring out an easy, cost-effective way for a small business to do that well is another challenge. Yeah. So yeah. that's what we're moving through right now. I think, yeah, that's uh, I mean, it's a good conversation and just as long as people know that, um, you know, you could be at risk of this. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's important to make your site accessible for people who are vision impaired or, or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not necessarily going to be the, you know, the cheapest, uh, solution to get, be in compliance a hundred percent of the time with ADA and, uh, making sure that you're talking with the right, uh, some right experts in ADA compliance, I think is important. So I think that's enough talk on the honorable mention, uh, I think. Can I bring up one more though? I did yeah. want to bring up one that we're following, that is Amazon suing Facebook user groups for the groups that do fake reviews and pay for fake reviews. Yes, this um, is big. I am, and and Amazon has issued cease and desist. Then Facebook will examine, and Facebook will take a you know three to six months sometimes and decide whether that group can stay or go. And I, it feels like Amazon just got fed up and is suing the admins directly now. And that happened in July. We'll see how that plays out. So just a real quick yes. step back. I mean, we went through that really fast. So yes. there's groups on Facebook, and their sole purpose for existing is to basically barter and get fake reviews on products to game the Amazon system, yes. to get more five-star reviews, and that's the only reason they exist. You can go to these groups, and they're evil, and we don't want anybody to do this. Right? Yeah. But you could go to these groups, sign up. Service. You could then write a bunch of fake reviews and get paid to do it. And uh, it's cheating the system. It cheats legitimate sellers. If you get caught, you're banned for life. It's a bad thing to do. But there are groups that do hundreds of thousands of fake reviews a month out of these Facebook groups. And it's really easy to get in and look at these if you want. It's super easy. Um, I would advise against doing it if you sell on Amazon because then it becomes public record that you're a member of these groups. So you probably don't want to do that. The interesting thing here is Facebook or Amazon does not know the names of the group admins. So this is going to turn very quickly into either Facebook will turn over those names and let mm -hmm. Amazon sue them directly, or Facebook or Amazon will likely sue Facebook to get the names of those admins and then sue both Facebook and those group admins directly. But this is just a sign that, that uh, Amazon's 
kind of fed up with the response they've got. And they're taking a very, again, instead of requesting these groups cease, now they're they're in active lawsuit mode. So we're you, watching that. Had you ever seen a number or an estimate on the number of reviews that are fake on Amazon? I I, I don't know. Not as a percentage. I know there are millions of fake reviews, yes. right? Yes. Um, and we've certainly had um, had to deal with competitors that have come up very fast on us who all of a sudden overnight they've sold five units but they have right. 130 brilliant five-star reviews mm-hmm. uh, within a week of launch and we know those are fake yeah we also have seen our own listings get hit and anybody who's been on amazon for a while get hit with a bunch of negative reviews all of a sudden in a flood fake one-star reviews also fake one-star reviews happens too so yep. these are very frustrating if you're trying to be a legitimate honest seller on these platforms so um yeah, I'm rooting for Amazon in this one. I'm not an Amazon fanboy. They there's a lot of good and bad with them, but I am rooting for Amazon to uh, get some justice in this one. Yeah, that's a perfect one. I think those are good honorable mentions. Should we should we move on to number issue number five? Yes. The, the fifth most important trend that you need to know if you're in e-commerce. Yes, the most important is going to vary depending on who's listening to this. Um, I think for our, many of our clients, number three will be the most important one for them. But but we're going to stick on number five right now, right? It's, it's number one is the most important, so people listen to the end. Yes, Tim. we got to go to the end. Number one is the most important. So, but well, number one for us. Yeah. Um, but issue number five. So um, issue number five is what is Amazon's fourth quarter inventory policy going to be? And this is a fairly wonky topic unless you're dealing with Amazon a lot. This may not be something that you've ever thought of or ever worried about. But the last two years in a row, Amazon has changed their inventory policy in the third quarter for how they're going to handle fourth quarter inventory. And this started during the pandemic year in 2020 when they changed their policy to have a per SKU limit on every single item you sold. And this caused massive chaos. Um, And then last year they changed it so you had not a per SKU limit, but a limit for your store overall. So let's talk about that. So the mm-hmm. the per SKU, the issue with per SKU uh, limits is that you might have a seasonal seller um, that might need a ton of inventory, but because of it, so say it ramps up and it sells a ton in you know November, you don't have enough storage to actually have enough FBA units, so fulfilled mm-hmm. by Amazon units, yeah. to be able to actually sell enough product, right? They just won't even let you send in enough product to actually be able to sell it. Yes. And this caused, uh, if you have a seasonal product that's winter seasonal, or you have a product that sells big in the fourth quarter, or you're introducing new SKUs, this is where it caused a big problem. If you could only send in so many, we have partners who were sending in 5,000 units of a new SKU just for fourth quarter. And the per SKU limit on a new SKU was 250 units. Mm -hmm. And that was on a boat in a container on the way over. And there's Right. It causes chaos. Like, where do you now put and this? We literally, this so they, they had product in on the water because they knew it was going directly to Amazon. Mm-hmm. And between the time it left the factory in China and got to Amazon in the U.S., they said, you can no longer, we're no longer accepting your 5,000 units. Yes. You get 250. Your limit is now lower than what you're shipping into us right now. Yes. Even um, though we've told you we we're going to accept Yes. It. And Thank the you. other issues that have popped up with this is how well does Amazon really predict seasonality for products that are highly seasonal? Yes. For, for things that we manage that are pretty even across the year, this has not been a big issue, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, but for clients that like to, or you know, business that we work with that like to introduce new products a lot, or which which we encourage, by the way, mm-hmm. or businesses that have highly seasonal products, uh, and we have we have a partner that we work with that sells you know Christmas decorations, right? Yep. 
the system that Amazon put in place threw everything into chaos. And they haven't announced that they're going to change the inventory policy for Q4 yet, mm-hmm. but they didn't announce it ahead of time the last two years either. So as as it stands, we're expecting that we have a certain cap by seller, correct? Yes. That's what our expectation is, but... But we don't know if they might they might change the policy. That, that This, of all the issues we have here, that's probably the biggest chance of turning into no big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason it could turn into no big deal is Amazon, since that 2020 inventory crisis has been investing in additional capacity. Mm-hmm. In some analyst reports, they have it's been stated that Amazon is actually um, has too much capacity has right now. Has extra warehouse. They've overbuilt yes. based on what the the surge in demand during the pandemic was. Yep. And that there's not going to be a restrictive inventory policy this year. Amazon hasn't said that. That's kind of the what some analysts are reading through the tea leaves on. So we're hopeful this turns into a nothing issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't know yet. Yep. And we're always on this point with a, especially with a couple of our business partners, waiting on pins and needles to see if Amazon makes a change into Q4. Yep. And if they do make a change, it's the biggest issue we'll be dealing with for the next month or two. And if they don't, it goes away, and we worry about the other things mm-hmm. that are here. I mean, just generally though, the advice would be having that extra storage capacity wherever you're at. You know what I mean? And this, and you know. Yeah. There's a couple things. Yeah. One is having extra warehousing capability that's not at Amazon. Mm -hmm. So you have Flex to go into there. Um, A couple partners of ours invested in 3PL solutions Mm -hmm. after this. Uh, And the other is what we're actively engaged with with a lot of our partners right now and and on our own businesses is really make sure you're in control of your inventory management scores with Amazon. So anything that's a non-mover that hasn't moved in 90 days, clear it out or put it on sale or get it to move because that affects, there's a number of different things. There's an IPI, which is an inventory performance index at Amazon. And if that gets too low, you are more likely to be restricted in how much inventory you have. So a lot of things we're doing this time of year are just making sure we're as clean as possible on the IPI so that we have less risk of having any kind of inventory issues heading into Q4, which is for everybody, the big season. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. We're sitting good on time here, but let's move on to issue number four. So, Tim, we've seen the news. Shopify, we're, you know, we, we like ourselves some Shopify, but they're going through some turmoil right now. Tell us about what, what that means. Tell yeah, us, they're a mess. Yeah. Um, and they'll, they'll recover. And we, use, we say they're a mess, but we use Shopify a lot and we love their platform, but they're a mess right now, right? Maybe less Um, messy than some of the other. It's uh, less messy than the other solutions that are out there. Um, But Shopify itself, they've had, and I think it's been well documented by now. We were talking about this at the beginning of the month that we thought there might be issues. And since then, yes, their stock price, well, their stock price took a tumble starting last year and has continued to tumble. Oh, yeah. They had an earnings announcement last week. Um, So since we wrote this, where they missed uh, missed all their goals, their stock dropped farther. They had layoffs last week of 10% of their staff. So we were worried about what was going to happen with Shopify heading into Q3. And yeah, some of these things are maybe a little worse than we kind of thought they might be. So whenever a company's in turmoil like this, and this is a core platform for us and for anybody in e-commerce. How many millions? There's millions of, of sellers. There are a million. They claim on their site there's a there's over a million Shopify stores. Mm-hmm. There are ten thousand on Shopify Plus, Plus. yeah, um, yeah. or ten thousand, a little bit over ten thousand now, which means there's one percent of their uh, stores are on Shopify Plus. 
which when we were talking about this internally, it's okay, what about the other 99% of stores? And there's been a lot of, uh, there's also been, if you're in the Shopify community, a lot of frustration over new features that Shopify has rolled out that they have only given to the Shopify Plus owners and only given to that top 1%. Mm -hmm. And for many small businesses or medium-sized businesses even, Shopify Plus, the increase in cost and management doesn't really make sense yet. Yeah. It's a good platform and no criticizing it, but... Because what do we decide? I mean, it's it's around $100,000 a month or something like that. $150,000 a month is when that shop switch from Shopify advanced to Shopify Plus starts yes, to make sense. Yes, that's when it starts to make sense. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple different things floating in here too, because they launched, um, you know, they launched a new feature called Shopify Audiences, which was supposed to bridge the gap in uh, from Facebook to Shopify because Facebook's data and tracking is not as good as it used to be because of privacy laws. And they only rolled that out then to Shopify, Shopify Plus. Plus. Yeah. So they rolled they made a big uh, big deal about it. Everybody got really excited, then it only rolled out to one percent of their customers. Now their one percent biggest customers, which are probably, you know, who knows what percentage of sales those are, but it's a huge chunk of the sales that go through Shopify. Mm -hmm. But you know, those are the same store owners that now we had a lot of Shopify stores open during the pandemic, a lot that grew during the pandemic, a lot that are really struggling right now. You hear these stories all the time. Mm -hmm. And most Shopify stores, well, 30% of their traffic typically or sales to come directly off Facebook is the average that's quoted in Shopify's literature. Um, you know, having Facebook not perform as well and then having your one tool to help Facebook and Shopify perform better for a bunch of stores that are struggling is a rough situation right now. So that's yeah. there's a lot of things going on there. And again, Shopify, part of its investors got overexcited. Their own CEO um, fueled this by saying they were going to take over Amazon. They were going to beat Amazon and things like that and get everybody overly hyped up. So he's Which there. I, here's the deal. I, yeah. I, I think that Shopify, I'm very bullish on Shopify. Yes. I think I think there's so many people that are that are invested into the Shopify ecosystem that it's, you know, I, I think they're going to be okay mm -hmm. uh, long-term. And I still think that long-term, if Shopify could become an Amazon if they wanted to. But in terms of Q3, we won't, I don't Q3, I'm getting, we don't know. When, when companies under this kind of pressure, the issue is they start flailing, right? And they can either make these big changes that are for the good of everybody, or they flail and do something extremely stupid. And Shopify's at that inflection point, right? So we don't know where they're going to go. I think they're going to be around for a while. Oh yeah. I think the thing we're really looking for, you know, as an investor, that's where you're getting rocked right now. As a platform, it's going to be there. The company, you know, they're going to be around. Um, the big thing we're looking for, and there's a lot of little things on there, but they also closed their deal on Deliver, which is you know, 2.1 billion dollar expense for them. They picked up Deliver, which is a startup that helps uh, fulfillment, so it helps speed up de delivering fulfillment and. The promise there was they were going to make that available for Shopify store, store owners so they could compete better with Amazon mm -hmm. on delivery and fulfillment. And there was no real word at the quarterly earnings announcement about what they're doing, what they're going to do with and what the timeline yeah. is, right? Um, they said it's coming, and mm -hmm. they've promised they're going to have delivery as good as Shopify, as good as Amazon's, hmm. but there's no timeline on that. There is a waiting list you can sign up for if you want to be considered for it. Um, but there is nothing else really other than that. And there's also no word about whether that's going to be a Shopify Plus only again or not, which, is, has, which has a lot of store owners nervous. Because um, in addition to Facebook not being quite as effective as it used to be, the other thing that's slowing down sales for Shopify owners is Amazon's always been two-day prime delivery. Walmart's moving more and more into that. So is Target. It's now becoming more and more of the standard. Mm -hmm. And it's harder to compete as an independent store if you're delivering in seven to 10 days. Yep. And 
those stores are looking for solutions on that. So there's there's what happens with Shopify. They're in a period of a lot of turmoil and change right now, and just watching what happens there is a, especially this quarter, the immediate future is a is a big deal for us right now. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Lots of good stuff there. Lots of good stuff. Uh, number three, issue number three. What uh, what do you got? What's your take? We well, number the, three, and this the, is where I joke. This is the, the one R where word. If we go to yeah, the R word, the recession word is out there. So what are we going to see in relation to consumer demand? If when I talk to CEOs of the customers, you see that are partners, right? They that's the first thing they want to talk about. Is consumer demand going to slow? How much is it going to slow? How much is it going to affect my category? And you know, we hit record inflation earlier in June, nine percent year over year, or record since the '80s. Um, as my team likes to remind me, I was the only one alive on the team the last time we had inflation that high. Um, That's why Tim's on the team? He's a guy yeah. with the gray hair and yeah. seen fifteen percent mortgages, and everybody's got their inflation. roles right. Everybody's yeah. oh, got yeah. their role to play. Right. Um, but you know, fuel is up sixty percent. Food was up eighteen percent. Housing was up ten to eleven percent. Um, most products though were closer to six, so it wasn't the it was in heavily, heavily driven by energy and housing and food, but most of the products we deal with, which aren't those, were up six, which is still high, mm-hmm. still about three times the regular inflation rate or two or three times what you'd want. Real quick on that. If you're in physical mm-hmm. products and you didn't raise your prices by 6% or- You're are, taking are you less margin. And nobody, generally. everybody's been trying not to raise them, right? So, right. Which is kind of silly in my opinion, right? Like- Everybody knows inflation's going on. You need a margin. It depends. So here's the deal, because like Walmart's trying not to raise prices. Yeah. Uh, but nobody wants to be the first one to raise prices because all your volume goes to your competitors then. And so what's happening is the retailers are handling this all in different ways. Walmart's trying to hold the line on pricing, take less margin, but then they're also dealing with their manufacturers that come in and saying, we want you to take less margin too. So we want you to lower your prices if you can to us, or we want you to take part of the freight cost and or give us a bigger shelf allowance mm-hmm. where we get right so there's that's what walmart and walmart's done that i don't know if that's public we've done that we've heard that multiple times from partners we work with right and target's doing similar things right now so there's that pressure to keep prices where they are mm-hmm. where those retailers want the man they, they want it they're going to take less margin they want the manufacturers sharing the sharing the pain a little bit um, on amazon if you're the first one to go up you might lose to everybody else who doesn't go up so there's that knowledge that everybody needs to um, take a price increase to preserve your margins, but nobody wants to be the one to be the first to go on price increase and lose their sales. So so the key here is if you're in a hyper-competitive space, which many of our customers are, it's not as simple as just like maintain your margin. That being said, if you're not in that, if you are uh, an independent seller, you're the only seller of your product on Amazon, you're the manufacturer or whatever, Maintain your margin. Would you? Yeah, agree with- if you are, if you're the only seller, yeah. Yes, um, those are rare situations, but when they exist, yeah, great. Move your price up, maintain your margin, and see how much. If consumers start balking, your conversion rate goes down. Um, the classic strategy standpoint, and, and the, all the other thing that happens in this is, this is when this is when ad budgets get cut too. So in a recession, traditionally, always the first thing a company cuts is their ad budget to try and get costs back in line. Which is interesting to me mm-hmm. because I, I've always been, and maybe this is because I've worked with you for so long, is you cut the non-revenue generating yes. expenses. Yeah, mm-hmm. The so revenue generating- The hindsight generating... is always yes. preserve that budget and use the recession. This is the hindsight that nobody ever follows in the middle of the battle, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah. In the middle of the battle, it's, oh, crap, what do we cut to make sure we can maintain profitability and get yeah. through this? Afterwards, everybody looks back and says, you know, the guys who won during the recession were the ones that kept their spend steady- 
took some hits on margin, but grew their share because everybody else cut ad spend, mm -hmm. and they were able to gain share more cheaply during the recession than anybody else. And then when we came out of the recession, which eventually you always do, they came out in a much better place long-term than anybody else. Mm -hmm. That's always how all the case histories are always, always go. Um, and every time we go through a recession, kind of nobody learns the lesson. <laughs> it is hard if you're running right. the e-commerce department for a company right. to, during the recession to go and say, hey, you shouldn't cut any, cut everything else, but don't cut my budget because this long-term share thing's going to play out. You're going to be right in that in the long term, but it's a hard sell. Mm -hmm. That's a super hard sell to management in there. And that's yeah. that's the conundrum everybody's in right now. So that's... Well, and I'm thinking about like uh, some of our partners, like you're talking about the, the non-revenue generating sort of cost centers of the business. It's probably headcount. It's probably going to be your biggest thing, right? And you got you got some storage fees. Hopefully at, your headcount's generating revenue, but... Well, but, I mean, yeah. but you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like that's where yeah. people are going to look. They're going to look to cut headcount, but other things that they might be able to cut, I'm trying to think of storage capacity, consolidating things... I'm trying to think of other ways yeah. that are non-revenue generating. Some benefits often go, um, special things like that. You'll mm -hmm. see, but you know, marketing expense is usually the first thing that gets chopped. And within marketing expenses, digital ad expense goes first because it's the easiest thing to stop. I mean, anything else in tradi traditional media, if, if your company's right. doing traditional as well, is a longer-term commitment, and you've yeah. signed contracts way out, or the production's already happened. Whereas digital, you can just turn the faucet on or off more easily. So that's the first thing that usually gets hit. Mm -hmm. It's also the thing that is most directly tied to revenue. So, you know, for us, in our position of trying to work with our partners and trying to help them as much as possible, it's just making sure we're having good conversations. But that's a, it's a tough call. Do you, do you raise your price but possibly lose to because your competitors don't? Mm -hmm. Do you keep price the same but get hit on margins because costs are more expensive now? Um, do you try and hold your ad spend and try and gain share or, or can your company handle that? Can your company, or is the mandate that, no, you got to cut your mm -hmm. ad spend costs as well, which is going to cost you revenue and it's going to cost share down the line too. So it's a, it's a tough, all these, and that's why we get asked this question oh, when yeah. we talk with CEOs about it. Yep. 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 Well, any, any key takeaways there on you, uh, you know, on issue number three? Key takeaway for me is, is, um, on Pricing, you want to hold your, and this will come into the next issue as well a little bit, but watch what your comp competition's doing um, and see if there's room to move price up and preserve some margin. If there is, great. If nobody else is moving, you got to be really cautious about being the only guy to move price. Mm -hmm. If you're in a market where consumers are shopping price, and, and if you're on Amazon, by the way, if you raise your price up and nobody else does, your organic rank will drop. Mm -hmm. um, so it will, it will, even if consumers are willing to pay a little bit more, if nobody else moves, you're your visibility is going to go down. Um, and then make the best case you can for what advertising spend. Assume that you're going to get, if you're running the digital advertising um, for an e-commerce brand, assume that you're going to be approached and asked to cut budget. Assume that's because that's what happens in every recession. It's pretty much, I thought, you know, it's a hundred percent of the time. That's what happens. And have your case ready for how much you can drop mm -hmm. um, and what the impact is. But also, you know, be understanding that the rest of the company is going through some tough things too, probably when this oh, happens. So definitely, but definitely. have your case ready in advance. Don't wait. Don't wait for the question. Know what the your question's ads are coming, producing right? and where you're driving sales. The and... question's coming. Know what your contingencies yeah. are. Outline them in advance. Do the work now. Yep. 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 Awesome. 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 Good stuff. Like we said, could that be number one? Uh, maybe. With some folks, it is. Um, we can jump into number two, which is. Um, a different issue, but very highly related to it, right? 
Um, at number two on our list was, is there going to be an inventory glut? And uh, if so, which categories are going to be most impacted by it? And the basis of this, and this has actually come through where, yes, there is an inventory glut. We wrote this at the start of the quarter, anticipating that there would be. It was a subject of some debate. It's, be, it's become clear now there is, in certain categories, a glut of inventory. And the reason this came about is during the pandemic, e-commerce sales, if you have an e-commerce dominated brand, especially, um, certain categories of products soared during the uh, during the peak of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and e-commerce, brands that were e-commerce only, really soared up in volume. And then we had a shipping crisis in 2021 where people couldn't get product and demand was still high and they lost out in sales. So everybody basically overordered based on a high demand curve from 2020 and fear that they wouldn't be able to get product in if it was shipped uh, from overseas, for example. Oh, yeah. I mean, people were ordering, you know, I know I know yeah. retailers were ordering double what they normally would. Retailers absolutely were, right? That the, expecting that they might be able to get half if yes. they were lucky. And so. then we run into 2022 and we have a recession and consumer buying slows down and people start going out again. And part of the consumer dollar goes to restaurants and entertainment and not to buying goods because that's what people did during the pandemic was they bought a lot of stuff. Um, and all of a sudden we have too much product out there because we overordered and then consumer demand slowed. So, um, you know, the categories that are being crushed by this are like, you know, televisions, appliances, home furnishings, any of those, you know, uh, any of those things that people bought during bread makers, anything like right. that, right? Air people fryers. bought air fryers. <laughs> air fryers are the poster child for this. Yeah. But things that people all bought ahead of time and all kind of bought in a wave during the pandemic that they don't need to buy anymore. These are not repeat purchases. Those were the ones that are the poster children of it. But we've seen it throughout a lot of other categories, too, if there's too much demand. And we've also seen, you know, going back to like what Walmart and Target are doing because they're good bellwethers for this, we've seen them cut POs. Um, and reduce POs down, which has caused manufacturers some pain because they've already paid for the product and had it produced a lot of times, and now they have extra goods. Um, we've seen Walmart has stated that their strategy is going to be they've invested in extra warehousing. They've built more warehousing up. They're going to try and just store that excess supply and not take big discounts and not fire sale it off. Target, on the other hand, has said, no, we're just going to discount this stuff and move it. Mm-hmm. We're going to move it through here. We can't sit on this stuff for very long. So. Yeah. We're going to take some margin in it, but we need to move this product through and keep liquid. Um, this is, you know, something to really watch if you're a seller is because expect to see, and we've seen it in some categories we work in, of the competition all of a sudden taking more discounts than you're used to seeing. Um, again, this is margins are tighter, so it's a tough time right now. If your margins are tighter, but you have to discount deeper because you have too much inventory, there's, you know, there's all kinds of tricky, tricky situations with this. Mm -hmm. And so um, a lot of what we're watching right now is do we see massive discounting going on in categories we work in? Do we need to match that? Do we ride it out? Um, What do we do if we're sitting on too much inventory, which in a couple cases of partners we're working with, that's the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, Can we afford a discount? So you're in a a double pull where normally if you had too much inventory, you just discount deeper and clear it out, but your margins are tighter, so you can't. So yeah. How much does it become a profitability yeah. issue versus a cash flow issue? Yeah, and how much can you afford to sit on inventory? Because as a, especially a small to medium-sized businesses know, that inventory is your cash flow locked up. I mean, cash flow is king, and if you, you're sitting on a lot of inventory not moving it, your cash flow is locked up in that inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, and that becomes really problematic too. So it's just putting a lot of pressure on things. And 
our belief is we're going to see some sellers just do massive discount just to clear inventory out and get some cash back instead of having it all be sunk in inventory. We're going to see some be more, much more cautious. So we're watching each category right now. Is there one per place in particular that you're looking so on the category level of there's a glut of inventory? Like, are you, we just going to see it in the prices? Are we going to see it in discounts? Are we going to see it like, is there going to be a trade publication that you can watch probably? Or what's where would you go to, to know whether you're in this category? Yeah, we've set up. So in categories we're watching closely, we'll set up just price monitoring through different tools and watch. On that. Amazon. On Amazon. Like if you're on Amazon, yep. right? Or on Google Shopping, you can do that too. Um I also think you're going to see more retail, invented retail holidays coming oh, up. Yeah. And that's how retailers are going to move it. Um, Walmart had their their before Prime Day's event that mm-hmm. they didn't publicize well enough and it <laughs> didn't have the biggest impact. Wait, they had the, Walmart had an event? They had an event. Oh, and, and yeah, I think uh, 33% of Walmart shoppers knew about the event, which is pretty low if they were on the site shopping. Yeah. But um, they'll do better. They're trying. They're improving on it. Uh, but Walmart, I mean, Amazon is all the rumors are that they're going to have a second Prime Day is coming up in either late September, early October, somewhere around there. And that's because, again, Amazon's not just passing through our seller goods. They are a vendor who buys a ton of product. Mm-hmm. You know, that what the what the leaks have said is they need that holiday to clear out goods before Q4. They need that holiday because they need to match their year ago numbers and they need to just clean goods out instead of having them sit and clog up inventory right now. Mm-hmm. Um and so there's, and they've had requests from their biggest selling partners that they need a way to clear out inventory too. So I think, I think there's going to be an effort to solve these through these big sales holidays to some mm-hmm. extent. Um, and we'll see how far the Walmarts and Targets go, for example, and just, and Amazon vendor too, cutting POs yeah. and just saying, we have enough. We're going to, you know, I know we said we'd, we'd buy, you know, 5,000 of these, but we only need a thousand, so mm-hmm. figure out what you want to do with the other four thousand you have coming on the boat. I, we're, that conversation is happening quite often right now. Yeah, and again, it, this is a matter of what to do about it. Is form contingencies on this? What? How low are you willing to go if you're if the rest of your category starts discounting? You feel you need to discount to compete. How low are you willing to go? Or are you not willing to discount at all? I mean, this is the time to have those talks in advance mm-hmm. with your team. Yeah. And so you can act really just, fast. Here's contingencies. Hey, the yep. market all drops their price. Hey, here's contingency. The market the market doesn't move their price. Just create game plan. Have a half mm-hmm. an hour sit down, game plan a couple of different scenarios, and talk through what you think you will do if these things happen. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I think that really brings us back to the final issue, the number one issue that we're paying attention to for Q3 2022, a shift to retail media. What in the Sam hell is retail? What is retail media? media? Yeah, so retail. If you're in the if you're in the media buying wonk world, retail media is the big buzzword right now. If you're not, then retail media. You go what the what the heck is that? I have no idea what retail media is. But How retail many yeah. wonks are out there. Tim, you're, a, the, you're I, the wonk. That's why I, I talk to a lot of wonks. <laughs> um, but the retail media basically is the industry's buzzy word for. Retail media that takes place right at the point of sale. So in short, it's ads on Amazon, ads on Walmart.com, ads on Instacart. That's the predominant part of, the, of what retail media. And then in a longer tail, yeah, if you're putting ads on Wayfair, you're putting ads on Home Depot.com and whatever else. But it's ads that are right on the place where the product's going to get purchased. And um, the background behind this, um, if you're not in the wonky world and haven't been following this, um, 
one of the biggest media shifts we've seen in years and years and years is happening right now where media is flowing out of Facebook. It is flowing out of broadcast linear television. And it is flowing to some degree out of in-store promotions um, and moving into retail media, uh, which is, again, Amazon.com, Walmart.com, Instacart, and then a host of others that take up that. And this is causing a, a big change, basically, in how people look at media. It, me- it means that big companies are now treating Amazon as something, a big, serious part of their media plan, not something that right. the intern goes and takes care of. Yep. Um, it's now an integrated part of their plan, which also means we're seeing a flood of dollars into, we'll use Amazon example, because Walmart's growing too in ad dollars, but Amazon's the fastest ad growing ad platform, fastest growing ad platform, I should say, out there. Um, and it was, what, $21 billion I was gonna say, two we- years ago. It was $31 billion last year, and it's on track. Earlier this year, it was on track to be $40 billion. We'll see if that changes with the recession or not, right? Which will overtake Facebook as the number one I don't think platform. it overtakes it. Th- it overtakes it in about two, two or three years, years yeah. in this Which in is this really, scenario, I mean, right? considering the, the trajectory, the growth on that is insane. Yeah. But, um, and to put it in perspective, those three, you know, Google, Facebook, Amazon are about 50% of the total ad world globally right now. Um, to see that shift happening within there, that's not just a small, weird thing that, hey, there's these weird guys that spend on Amazon and on Facebook. That's a big shift. Um, and it means... The recession is probably going to encourage that shift even farther because if you're getting ad dollars cut, you're probably going to keep the dollars that are closest to the sale and closest to the revenue. Mm-hmm. Those are probably the dollars you keep, and you probably pull them out of dollars that are just general awareness building that you think are important, but you can't really track a result to, uh, meaning Facebook right now. You can't track results as closely to that. So um, it also has a potential impact because that growth going from like 21 to $31 billion in ad spend Amazon's growing, but it's not growing that fast in terms of total sales. Mm-hmm. Um, it's up like 9% this year. Yeah. Um, and when you have more ad dollars coming in and that's growing faster right. than sales going out, your cost of a sale on something like Amazon is going to go up. Yep. And that's something that then impacts you know, how you build your profitability out for your product. Mm-hmm. Are you in a category that's accelerating faster than others or less than others. Right. Um, but just the cost of getting a sale on Amazon, which has been really efficient if you knew what you were doing on it, that's going to change a little bit. It's yep. going to get more expensive because there's dollars flowing in faster than customers are flowing in. Yep. Right and now. we've we've already seen this in a big way for some of our clients yes. that especially if, you know, a big, big player, you know, uh, Procter & Gamble or uh, you know, I don't know the Coca Colas or you know what I mean. The, yeah. the big guys, if those drop a, a new product in your category, um, expect it to hurt. Yeah, and we've seen, and, and we've seen some big sea changes in some categories as those big, you know, Fortune 500 product companies when those come in there, and they take a bunch of their TV budget and move it out of TV and into retail media, yes. for example. And we've seen that happen a couple times, and all of a sudden costs go crazy. We have a couple of things we work on where the cost to get a click or the has gone up by 40, 50% in some mm-hmm. cases. Year over year. Year over year. And that makes it for the same keywords. That means you got to be much more detailed and much sharper in how you're going to manage that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a matter of when they come in, they're bringing a bunch of dollars in at once because they're when you take dollars out of something like broadcast TV, which used to be the number one uh, advertising place to put, spend your money, and you start dumping that into something like Amazon very quickly, it changes the game. And that's happening a lot right now. We, Because of the recession and other things going on, we expect that to be happening a lot more and a lot faster as we head into Q3 and Q4. 
absolutely absolutely well tim i know we're, we're, we're this has been a great episode i know there's a lot of great content in here um lots of key trends here to pay attention to if you want to talk more about these you can uh find us at 50 poundbosoncom ecomasaurus uh podcast.com we can uh get these show notes out there um we would love to help anybody who has questions on any of these things can i help you navigate those uh but i appreciate you sharing all this knowledge with us as we're getting to the the heart of q3 here and getting ready for q4 so any closing thoughts or, or words of wisdom as we as we close out this episode uh, we live in interesting times right now. <laughs> <laughs> but some of these things we're now in the area of like the hype about selling online is it's still out there but the idea that now this is becoming a real part of like the media buying business. Um, it's not the fringe stuff on the outside. It's part of the mainstream, you know, Amazon's in a mainstream product company's budget right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that changes the game and makes it more sophisticated and all the more reason to pay attention to these big macro issues. Yep. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, all 12 of you, including uh, Tim's uh, nine brothers, but uh, appreciate it. I hope you have a wonderful day and uh, we'll catch you on the flip.